We're back. So episode two of my Humanities 201 final. Last episode, we talked about the start or, or like what it means to be an apocalyptic theme or whatever. And plus, you know, what draws audiences into the seats, what, what makes people enjoy these types of films. Mm-hmm. But uh, now we're going to explore a little subsection of this, why people enjoy it. So the characters, having a character, having your characters in an apocalyptic settings is like a empty garden. You have a lot of room to grow with it. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of room to do a lot of stuff. And the development that your characters can get in your story can like be amazing. For example, you have all these zombie movies, all these zombie shows, and they're the exact same apocalypse, but with that boring, monotonous, same old apocalypse, you have great characters that can thrive in them. And it can, instead of the apocalypse taking the main stage, you have the characters that are the more driving force. The characters' decisions, really. Because the apocalypse is just the background. It's already happened. The Mm -hmm. world's already, like, died. It's already died out. And there's only a couple survivors left. But now you're... Your characters are front and center. Mm-hmm. What do they do in this world? What are, what is what's like their what's their goal? How are they gonna be able to like you know, live in this world without becoming like a murderer? How are they mm-hmm. how are they gonna defend themselves, their family, and like their stuff? What morals will they take? Exactly. How will they deal with it? How will they change from season to season or chapter to chapter or whatever media you're consuming at the time? Basically, mm-hmm. let's let's go with The Walking Dead, right? So Rick's whole thing, at least the first couple seasons, was. Okay, like what's the line to kill? How like mm-hmm. what like what like how far can I get pushed before I have to start taking bodies? Mm-hmm. And you know you see that a lot in the earlier seasons with him, like having to deal with like very difficult people, like mm-hmm. the guys in the bar who threatened him and Glenn in the second season. Mm-hmm. They immediately like he he had to call it and he, he killed them in mm-hmm. the bar, or and you get like people like Shane who is uh who's a part of his own group, but he's like pushing, he's pushing it too far. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's driving the group apart and plus, you know, he, he slept with his wife, but besides uh-huh, the fact, mm-hmm. it's like, and he had to kill Shane too. He's like, what's, the, he had to like take that role of what's best mm-hmm. for the group. It's like, what do I do for the group? What can I do to help people live? Exactly. And it becomes like this whole, like, do I follow the core basic idea of kill or be killed? Or do I try my hardest to uphold some sort of moral semblance of the world before? Yeah. You know, the apocalypse is basically a blank slate in, in like zombie movies and mm. stuff like that. And it's like, what can you do with that blank slate? What kind of world do you want to build or help build? Mm. And, you know, do you want it to be like the old world where you have laws and rules and punishments and mm. jail time and taxes and stuff like that? Or would you just rather be mm. more primitive? You know, you wrong us, you die. You wrong us, you die. Mm-hmm. All that type of stuff. You get, you know. You definitely get a more an, um, an anarchy kind of feel from most apocalypses. There isn't a set structure. There's a few out there. Yeah, I mean, it's what people are fighting for. Mm-hmm. You know, there's set structure in the world. Mm-hmm. There's a few out there that can take a, a like, dystopias are a great example of uh, apocalypse with good rules. Or when I say good rules, a ruling faction that kind of have some um, semblance of order. Um, You can take, for example, uh, the uh, classic book of uh, 1980, what was it? It was was 1984 or uh, Big Brother? Yes, yes, 1984. 1984, which you see, this is way after an apocalypse where you have a majority... um, Cap- it's, it's a very interesting. It's a take. very captive society. A very capitalist to say. Yeah, and Orwell does this very interesting thing where like war is 
wiped out this world. So we have these three main countries in which we have everyone at the bottom, but a few people on top. And those few people on top are on top. Are they on they top. are the absolute dominant force in uh, those people's lives. They are, they're absolute. And while this is after an apocalypse, it's more of a post-apocalyptic dystopia, you have this whole very interesting take on an apocalypse, but with rules. An apocalypse with a character that can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like he, um, the main character of that tries to join a secret faction that take down everything, but, but that he, itself it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. He, like having the whole idea of like, you know, you've like people have, it's, this is a post-apocalyptic thing, mm-hmm. right? So people have already made the world that they want to live in. Mm-hmm. And uh, this guy is just trying to change it. I forget his name. I, I forget I, his name too. Ah, man, senior year reading. Mm-hmm. Bless. But no, uh, like he's trying to change that future. He's trying to change the world he lives in, but he can't because it's already been changed. And in turn, instead of changing that world, he has even everything that he still had stripped from him. Mm-hmm. And he leaves it off in a very weird state. He leaves off doing better, but not any better. Mm-hmm. In a state where he might die the next day, or he might live for a few more decades before he is killed off. It's a very ambiguous ending. ambiguous ending. So, like his fate and the fate of his uh, his co-star, not yeah. co-star, the secondary character. Secondary character, his is the love interest, who, in itself, just takes a totally different turn than what you expect. Yeah, and this is a very different dystopia, apocalyptic feel than Mad Max. The Australian outback of kill or be killed with mainly self-serving interests. The main character in Mad Max literally starts off by killing everyone responsible for the murder of his wife and child. That's what Batman should have done. (laughs) He went off the wall because there was a post-apocalyptic event which in turn made him go after people who took advantage of it. And while it may seem as he's being the good guy in this, he's really just being self-serving to his own character. Later on, he does do some more altruistic means, like helping um, set up societies or more um, balanced semblances of the past. But uh, you, you really start off that whole series with a ex-police officer hunting down those who have wronged him. Mm-hmm. But... Speaking of like apocalypse or whatever like that, and it's this is this is a very like so far we've talked about a lot of stuff that involves just like like a very physical fight, you know, like a bunch mm. of killing and all that stuff. But one of my favorite post-apocalyptic stories of all time is Hideki Anno's 1996 like uh, anime Neon Genesis Evangelion because the conflict. It, on the surface, it's about a bunch of teenagers in giant mechs fighting, like, space angels. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But the underlying th- theory of that show and the theme about it is all in the boy Shinji's head, the main mm-hmm. character. Shinji is a very meek and timid boy. Like, this mm-hmm. man is, is the definition of a carpet. <laughs> like, he, he is a wet carpet. This man, like, he is forced into the like his back like or he's forced into being an Ava pilot by his dad because his dead mom's soul inhabits the Ava and he is the one having the pilot his dead mom but he doesn't know that yet and like you know but it's just like the way that uh Shinji grows and is 
like starts off, mm-hmm. it's so different because when he starts off again, he's this meek, timid boy. He's he's a wet carpet. You know, people walk over him. Uh, the other character in the show, uh, Oscar especially, like hates the guy. He gets mm-hmm. absolutely stomped on, and throughout the show, this uh, everything, every single angel fight that he's in leads him to like get a a, a worsening mes- mental state. Mm-hmm. So, like, and I don't know, it just keeps hammering the kid down. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, the original ending of the anime, the episode twenty five and twenty six, happen or are, are about Shinji learning how to love himself, mm-hmm. learning how to accept this. Like, hey, this is me now, mm-hmm. because you know, uh, his whole character was about him not wanting to like get or like get close to people. That's why the mm-hmm. whole hedgehog theory exists. You know, pe- you know, two hedgehogs mm-hmm. want, are in the winter. It's cold. Mm-hmm. They they want they want to go cuddle for warmth, but the spines are gonna hurt each other. And that's just an allegory for people getting emotionally connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you, you want to you wanna get that emotional connection, right? Yes. You want to get that emotional connection, but, like, you, you leave yourself vulnerable to the other person should they decide to do something, like, you know. Backstab or, yeah, or betray. Like, or... Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's, whole, it's Shinji's whole the- like, journey of, you know, accepting that mm-hmm. if human connection requires... Uh, vulnerability you can't be stoic or strong all the time and you can't be uh you know you can't feel this type of connection Mm -hmm. without getting hurt sometimes that's just what makes you human Mm -hmm. but uh, my my favorite part about it is that it is it like it's a mental story told through a like physical world because in the 1980s japan or japan and like japanese anime loved mechs Mm -hmm. look at gundam Gundam has One so many different types of like series, man. That's mm-hmm. it. that's what inspired Transformers, mm-hmm. and so for Hideki Anno to create a Gundam esque world, but not really focus on the Gundams all that much is really mm-hmm. insane, and you know to take an apocalyptic world but make it a internal apocalypse yeah, as well. But uh, speaking of internal apocalypse, the whole like apocalypse that happens, or like originally Evangelion is a post apocalyptic. There is a second impact that wiped out most of the earth right Mm -hmm. but you know through shinji's mental and emotional journey he causes the third impact and he kills off most of humanity he 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 uh he obtains the power of the founder or not the founder but like the uh the progenitor of the angels lilith and Mm -hmm. adam he 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 gets that power and says you know what this world sucks I wish we could all just re- like return to normal one, and mm-hmm. so it's a whole primordial soup thing. Like a lot of people, like get turned into like looks like like orange juice, <laughs> but it it means that like all of their souls are not individuals anymore. They're just one. Mm-hmm. It's Shinji's world without like pain because mm-hmm. they're all one. It creates a hive mind. It sounds like exactly. So and when Shinji's like in episode twenty five and twenty six of the, of the series. That's all in Shinji's head. It's when he's in the primordial soup or like that, uh, the third impact. He's like, dude, this is awful. Mm-hmm. He realizes, like uh, that, like, it's it's awful to live like this. It's like I want he and he he ends this like series. He's like, I wanna I wanna try again. I wanna be human. I I want to I want to like feel love. I wanna feel hate. I wanna get hurt. You know. And mm-hmm. the uh the final uh, seconds of Evangelion end. On the entire cast going around, like surrounding Shinji and clapping for him, mm-hmm. congratulations they say, and it's his whole journey of becoming, like, 
I don't know, I guess free? Free, like, like yeah, I get that. You know, he becomes, like, he, he, he accepts it. Because in the entire show, he was living in denial about becoming close mm-hmm. and, like, 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 reaching human affection or whatever. But, you know, mm-hmm. now he... And he, he keeps running away from it. Like he'll 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 like be like no he'll he'll like go he'll get so close and then back out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just terrible for the guy, and the, the kid's poor mental state because he's only fourteen. Mm-hmm. The, the the entire like main cast of kids in the Ava pilots are fourteen, mm-hmm. and they're all orphans, so that makes it so much better. <laughs> if that wasn't cause of mental trauma, I don't know what is. Yeah, and my favorite thing about this, like bringing up escapism from the last episode. Hideki Anno used this to a to like deconstruct escapism, the Japanese otaku culture. Mm-hmm. He ma- he made the, the uh, standard waifus, or which like the girls, like the two D girls that mm-hmm. you know many like dudes and like young boys and men are be like, oh, I that's that's wife material. Mm-hmm. I love her. They mm-hmm. they're terrible people. Yeah. Asuka is an absolute like monster. <laughs> She's abusive towards Shinji. She is a. Uh, it doesn't create a cookie cutter cutout that yeah. um, ex- that doesn't exist. Exactly. It shows a more human no. yeah. version. Okay, listen, because Os- the the Oscar, the uh, the main girl, mm-hmm. is like that. She's mean. She's angry. She's really really terrible. She's loud. She's annoying. She she's like like spiteful and malicious in her words and like in her insults. Mm-hmm. And it's very human that people are like that. But on the other hand, you have Ray. Ray, who is quiet and docile, and what like usually men think of like a good wife of, you know, she, she's quiet, she's docile, she doesn't really talk back, she'll she'll do whatever you say, mm-hmm. but then you get this thing. Oscar has her own like self journey of realization during it, and Ray's story is a lot different because, like, while she has a journey of like, of uh like self actualization and it's like what do I want to do? Because in the end, she's the one who grants Shinji the power of the third impact. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's a clone of his mom. Mm-hmm. Which is a whole lot of plot points to wrap your mind about. But the whole idea of Apocalypse being able to create such a bizarre world in which has its own laws and physics in which characters have to come to grasp with is just interesting in itself. And I believe anime does a great job whenever oh, they yeah. create these apocalyptic worlds in which have their own laws almost like their own laws of physics if you really want to not really physics it's just storytelling Mm -hmm. physics is a whole different thing well when i when i mean physics i mean like their um the laws of the world like this happens because of this and its own flow i should say in in the universe yeah Yeah, okay makes sense but if we're going to talk about anime and apocalyptic settings and character development. Let's talk about Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. One of one of the like biggest animes out in the twenty tens. Mm-hmm. Really took the world by storm in twenty thirteen. It's still going strong in its fourth and final season in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Attack on Titan is a kind of like it starts off as a normal zombie show, right? Very survival. But, but, but instead of like you know zombies like being on like you know you get these giant titans that you gotta kill, but and it like it, it, it starts it, it, off with uh, a society stuck in a wall. With your main character being an innocent, um, how old was he? He was a ten-year-old. Ten-year-old. He was a ten-year-old who who saw the walls destroyed, his uh, his uh, town destroyed, his mom eaten by two by these giant monsters called titans, which we later find out are basically genetically modified humans in a way. Yeah. Um, and from that we see this kind of he he has a serious nature at a young age. But he's still innocent. He's still 
like a no, ten year old. No man, dude. No, Aaron. Aaron was messed up. He killed two kids. He he killed three men at nine. Yes, true. But he's three still three men at nine <laughs> years old. Yes, the character did have a slight um, insanity to him. Well, yeah. Okay, the the kid is not a normal kid. Mm-hmm. So when when his home is ravaged by these titans, his wall is broken down. His mom was eaten right in front of him. His his whole goal is I'm gonna kill all the titans. Yes, I'm going anger, to kill all of the titan. This kid is angry. He he is loud. He is obnoxious in his own sense. Mm-hmm. But like, but he is the driving force of the story. He's he's going to say the driving force of the story for mm-hmm. the entire like run of the run of the manga, mm-hmm. but or anime and manga. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with Aaron is, uh, Aaron is a character that is like like ebbs and flows. You know mm-hmm. he like. But like it's still stagnant. If mm-hmm. if you understand what I'm saying, because this guy is, this guy is so angry and so tunnel vision on his one track mind. He's like, I'm gonna kill all the titans. Mm-hmm. But like the guy gets in for like various various rude awakenings. That like mm-hmm. his his whole idea is I'm I'm gonna kill all the titans and like 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 a normal shonen protagonist. Let's say Naruto is like I wanna become Hokage, or um, which is basically the strongest. Uh, person there is yeah but like most like protagonist like protagonists in like those types of animes like naruto mm-hmm. and stuff like that they want they want a one goal is like i'm i'm gonna become the strongest like uh, like him mm-hmm. and goku like goku's like i'm gonna become the strongest mm-hmm. in his show but the thing is with aaron is like like his he doesn't, goal is the he doesn't get his way mm-hmm. he doesn't get his way mm-hmm. like he he uh, the irony of it is uh like i want to i want to destroy the titan it's an it's an i like uh, idealistic world like I'm gonna destroy the Titans and I'm gonna like save humanity mm. but the thing is Aaron's a Titan shifter he's got he's got like, he he's himself got can turn into the exact monsters that killed his mom and the thing is like oh our walls are broken down by these mindless Titans those mindless Titans were controlled by his friends mm-hmm. by by people he knew in the military and got to learn his big brother Reiner and like almost his like big brother figure Reiner and Bertolt mm-hmm. And they turn out to be a totally different from who they are. Yeah, and and the thing is, in the end of season three, they they like it, they figure out that humanity isn't just that island, but trapped behind those walls, there is a whole world. There's a whole world, and that isn't an apocalypse anymore. It, it becomes more of a. It becomes more of a, of a like political a, a political thriller. Yeah, which is interesting. You don't normally see these apocalyptic because for season one through season three you were just like believing like the remainder of humanity is stuck behind, is those stuck behind a but wall then on a that, small yeah, island you're in for that rude awakening where oh we're not just we're not alone we're not alone and the rest of the world hates us for and, whatever we did in the past yeah and, and it's like it turns from this apocalyptic story that's like really really cookie cutter it's basically the walking dead with giant zombies mm-hmm. into a uh into a, a a story a multi-dimensional like, world yeah, with like, several key events that you see in 1 through 3 that don't make any sense until you get to the 4th season exactly and it, and you know you get instead of like the apocalypse you get a mirror of our world mm-hmm. i guess the eldians that are trapped behind the island and the walls they're allegories for the jewish and the marlans who are enslaving them and using them as a uh, as bait they're they're nazis yeah you see like this dichotomy between that whole world, their whole structure, and our world, and what happened in it. But yeah, uh, we're gonna get more 
uh, we're gonna get more back in Attack on Titan because mm-hmm. that has that that has a lot of a whole stuff bunch to talk of stuff about, to it. Considering uh, Aaron, Aaron and his choice, you know, we're still talking about characters here. Aaron's mm-hmm. choices aren't like so like normal. You know, mm-hmm. he he goes through a lot of stuff in the story. He becomes he 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 figures out he's a Titan shifter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he figures out his dad was a part of the outside world that was stranded on the island. Mm-hmm. And uh, gave him the Titan powers, mm-hmm. and his whole world is basically turned upside down. And his whole idealistic and like screaming loud, yelling, "I'm gonna kill the Titans!" is kind of turned into a a soft like like uh, we need to change this. We need yeah. to change what happened, how we how it happens, and the whole world structure. Yeah, Aaron is which creates a, a whole different apocalypse later on, which yeah, is very no. interesting. And Aaron is possibly like one of the best written characters in fiction, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion. The guys. Uh, the guy's turns. Uh, it, it's an interesting way. He turns. His conviction never falters, but like the way he he though he the way he goes about his goals after uh, after all this after, after all after, the events after what of... he what he gets like put through during the story is insane mm-hmm. and really like a, a a peak of writing. Aaron's like background of being an apocalyptic story. Uh, really just helped shape him to be the character who he is today, where like, you know he he is fighting the outside world now. You know it's not just fighting. It's not Titans. just a small island where humanity seems to be dwindling and few. Yeah, it's not just fighting titans. And mm-hmm. Aaron is out there, you know, trying to negate a whole political thing. But uh, his whole solution to stopping this like massacre of Eldians and the cycle of hatred is, is to by- cause an apocalypse. By the eradication of everything, everything. and starting a so. which takes the whole idea of this small kid who's witnessing the end of humanity, then turning into this adult saying, we need to end humanity so we can start again. Yeah, no. Uh, like, really, Aaron's progression as a character is, is like, really great. And mm-hmm. having the background of the original world of Attack on Titan, where, like, it's like everyone thought that humanities were behind the walls, like, the last of them in the it's like an apocalypse. It really just like helps sell it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, that should be it for episode two. Mm-hmm. We'll catch you in the third episode.